Welcome to another Sermon Question and Answer podcast. I'm Josh sitting here with Pastor Joey, and we're going to be covering some questions from it's just Pastor. just us two. Just us. Again, for week for two. week two. We still have some listeners from last week, so <laughs> we'll see if we can drive any more away. Um, Pastor Andrew's unavailable, but we're going to be answering some questions that uh, from his sermon on Sunday regarding um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the first half of it, um, talking about some principles for marriage um, and uh, and for singles as well. Um, the over the overarching theme of First Corinthians seven is Paul telling them to live content. Um, the Corinthian church to live content as they are. Um, so if that means you're single, live in, in contentment as a single person serving the Lord, and as a married person, live in contentment as a married person serving the Lord. Um, I always look forward to your summaries. That's it. That's always the highlight of this podcast for me. I was so when Pastor Andrew was preaching, I was impressed with uh, how he was able to do the entire back sheet of the notes in five minutes. I was looking at my clock saying, We're never, this isn't going to happen. He powered through. And then all of a sudden he got us through it. So that was impressive. That that took some some skill there. That was, was, those were like footnotes at the end. He covered a lot of stuff in this text. There was a lot, so of, ground was a lot of ground to to work through here. Uh, so we'll dive right into the questions here. Um, first one here is, uh, I don't know if this is an exact quote from, from Andrew's sermon, but um, at, at one point he said something along the lines of, church discipline is the response to sexual morality. And the question is, um, this conflicts... Um, on the surface with God's forgiveness and Christ making one pure, which is another point that, that um, Pastor Andrew made in his sermon, that Christ makes us pure. And then um, the follow-up question to that is, what is uh, church discipline? And I think a great response to that question is Pastor Sean's sermon from a couple weeks ago, where he actually lays out what church discipline is and what the grounds for church discipline are. Um so if you haven't heard that sermon, I would encourage you to check it out. It's on our website um, from a couple weeks ago, and it's right out of 1 Corinthians, so we're, we're just working our way through it. Um, do you have any um, initial response to the, you know, does, no. well, I mean, it's, the it's perceived all of, conflict you know, to, to, yeah, of I mean, interest it, there? So the, the first thing to do is what you just instructed, listen to that sermon, read Matthew 18 as well as a passage, check out the Q&A that we did with Pastor Sean that, yeah. where he teased that stuff out more, so... Um, just spend some time wading through what church discipline actually is. Um, uh, a good friend of ours uh, who likes to put it positive wants to call it more so church restoration, which is the goal of church discipline. And um, and I think that's a healthy way to look at it as well, is the church is concerned about the souls of people. That's The Lord has, um, and, and not in the sense of we have the capacity to save people's souls, but uh, as brothers in Christ, when we see people headed um in the wrong direction, which is rebellion against God, the Lord calls us in a loving way to approach them, to call them back to their profession of faith. And so, um, so I, I, I don't know what service uh, Andrew was talking about that. I can't remember all the particulars of that comment, but uh, the heartbeat behind that comment would be we see somebody who claims to be a Christian who's living in habitual sexual sin um, we begin to do this process that's called church discipline, not because it's this morality police, but because we want to see them live um, in freedom from that sin, which is 
by remembering who they are in Christ and, and living in response to that. And so uh, we want to come alongside of people and uh, help them find victory and repentance of that. Uh, when that doesn't happen, the Scripture gives us uh, clear steps on how to continually engage that brother or sister um, so that, Lord willing, they'll come to repentance of that sin. And so um, so the, the church is a tangible means that the Lord has ordained to uh, help one another in our perseverance of the faith. And uh, so that, that, that's the heartbeat behind that statement. And, but again, for, for a more in-depth answer to that, uh, check out that, the sermon from a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. the sermon and the, and the podcast after it yeah. will clear that up some, or hopefully clear that up some. Um, next question here is, uh, one of the points in the sermon was singles live in self-control or get married. And that's you know um, from the passage in First Corinthians seven where he talks about um, it's better for uh, for singles to get married if they can exercise control uh, so they don't they don't burn with passion. Um, and the question here is um, is a single if a single Christian cannot apply self control should he or she get married? Um, and I guess they're trying to get some clarification like does it does it make sense for a person that can't that isn't self controlled to get married? Well, all of us lack self-control in one shape, in some shape, form, or fashion. So, so if it's you can't at all have a lack of self-control, then we'd all be disqualified from marriage. But I, I get what is probably the heartbeat of that question is uh, regards to sexual sin. Maybe um, I, I don't think that's Paul's aim. I think Paul is pointing to if, if there is this this passion, this longing desire to be married, you should be married. Um, I, I, I think is the heartbeat behind that passage of scripture. And so um, there's people that, uh, and I think at least um, Pastor Andrew said it, especially in the first service. And again, I was in and out for the other two services doing other things. So I I didn't hear all the comments in the the last two services, but um, he talked about seasons of celibacy, gift, having the gift of celibacy for seasons. God gives us that. Some people have the gift of celibacy as like a, that's, for the rest of their lives, and they're content, and that doesn't mean that they don't struggle with loneliness at times and things of that sort, but they don't um, have the the burning desire to be married to somebody else, and, um, and so I think there's it's just the way that God's wired us, that, but uh, regardless, I thought Andrew in the first service did an excellent job about talking, uh, talking about how marriage doesn't complete us. I, I was really grateful for that clarification because um, our spouses do not complete us. It, we're, we are complete in Christ Jesus, and so we're as complete as the single person. The single person in Christ is as complete as um, as the married person, and and so... Um, but a single person isn't missing... It's not missing something. something. Yeah, it, it, and, and I, I like... I go to... Gen- you know, when God says it's not good for man to be alone... Um, I always try to point out to people, Adam didn't make that declaration. Adam enjoyed unhindered fellowship with the God of the cosmos. Adam didn't say, I'm so lonely. The text doesn't give us any indicator of that. Um, It was God who saw fit out of his generosity and out of his kindness to make a helper suitable for Adam. But Adam was already complete 
in his relationship with God. And so uh, I think sometimes we think that Adam was sitting around and he was completely discontent and lonely. Yeah. And that, that didn't, doesn't, that's not the sense that I get from reading uh, the early chapters of Gen- Genesis chapter one. Oh, it goes downhill real quickly, but the, um, but that, that moment there. Um, and so it was, it was God that created the companion yeah. and, um, but that companion did not complete Adam, um, even though she becomes a suitable helper. It's a suitable helper in their service to God together, not a suitable helper in, uh, I wasn't whole, now I'm whole. And we need to, I think we need to think of marriage that way. We, we, we have a crazy distorted perspective on marriage. I think Pastor Andrew did a good job of when he, his points paralleled each other. Yeah, yeah, for singles, singles and for marriage, yeah, Christocentric. The, you know. Be be centered in Christ and live in self control as a single person and as a married people. And referencing Galatians five twenty two, talking about the fruit of the spirit, one of them being self control. Um, you know, you said you know on our own we we will not exercise self control, but but with the spirit of God in us, we're we're able to to put that in our lives. And um, for me, I was a single person for a long chunk of my adult life your 40s till your 40s until i'm 55 <laughs> and um the calling was to live in sexual purity yeah. as a single person and now praise god i'm married the calling is to live in purity as a married person and not to introduce sexual sin into my marriage yeah. um, which takes um, self-control yeah. um I think about and marriage isn't the fix for self control. Right. Yeah, is what you're, you're right. getting at. I had a buddy of mine. He was one of our first, one of my first college buddies to get married, and um, and when he got married, I was still in college in my undergrad, and I remember he told me that his fight for purity only heightened after yeah. marriage. He had to exercise more self control now that he was married, and that's always stuck in the back of my mind. Is I don't know if there's single people out there that think, and when I get easy. married, yeah, it's going to be yeah. easier. I'm, I'm marriage is going to be this grace that gives me more self-control and that that's not the um you'll be surprised yeah it's not the yeah. case and i think about um the person out there that maybe um they they experience same-sex attraction and as a christian their calling is to live in celibacy and that's um God's grace is sufficient for them to live in self-control um, and um, remain abstinent and and to be pure in that. And that's you know, they they require the Spirit of God to to give them the perseverance and endurance to do that. And I think it gets back. I mean, we did this podcasts ago, and I can't remember which one it was on. But I, even thinking of our relationships, and this is where it fits in for singles for. Uh, Singles being those who want to one day be married, aren't married. Singles being those who had the gift of celibacy, those who struggle with same-sex attraction, along with married folks all assimilating into the same local church as one body. Uh, we assimilate into one body because we're pri- our identity is primarily that of brothers and sisters. So for you and your wife, for me and my wife, you know, on the Lord's Day we come together and we worship. We're not worshiping primarily as husband and wife. We're worshiping as brothers and sisters in the Lord because that's our eternal relationship. And so all this stuff we're working through in 1 Corinthians 7, these are temporal relational dynamics. They're not eternal relational dynamics. And 
I think we need to give a, a little bit more consideration to the eternal relational dynamics. Um, and those are intimate relationships. And that's what you see when the church is doing, functioning the way it's supposed to function. That's a glimpse of eternity. Yep, absolutely. Um, so um, one of the things that um, Pastor Andrew covered in, in this chapter was talking about um, there being two acceptable means for divorce. And uh, the first reason isn't specifically talked about in this text, but in Scripture we see the two biblical reasons as being adultery and uh, an unbeliever deserting a, a believing spouse. Um, and the question here is, how does the church justify acceptance of divorce for other reasons? And listen some examples, physical abuse, emotional abuse, vices, etc. That's a good question. Um, so I don't commend divorce for any of those other reasons. So I don't know what church... Um, I'm sure ch- there are churches out there that do, but they 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 wouldn't be um, coming to those conclusions from the scriptures, and so uh, so divorce for vices, divorce for um, ab- abuse in those ways. I I just don't see I don't see that. Some of this is going to be opinion. Uh, me speaking opinion, so we may get down. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily <laughs> represent the views of, of Coastal, Community, Coastal Church. Community Church. So you get on to Joey. So I mean, I'll, I, if you want to know how it's, how I see the scriptures talking about marriage, you can listen to my sermon on marriage. I preached in the Genesis series. I, I preached a, a sermon on marriage, and uh, I think we have too low of you. And so uh, when the country, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on this rabbit trail. <clears throat> when the local church grieves the decline of morality in our country, when we see the legalization of same-sex marriage, um, for instance, uh, we just celebrated. <laughs> so we just celebrated. The country just celebrated two years of uh, it's it's a two-year anniversary. I think this week of um, the. Um, What's the court case? What was the court case? Oh, the Supreme Court decision. Yeah, the Supreme Court decision to, to Obergefell, I think, the, yeah. the, um, to legalize same-sex marriage, right? And and uh, Coastal Community Church, we reject that definition of marriage because the Supreme Court doesn't have the authority to redefine marriage. Uh, but Christians get up in arms um, about that, and we um, go to the voting booth to show our distaste for it and whatever. But the... Um, uh, all the while, we've been tolerating divorce in our congregation for years. Mm-hmm. So w- we're putting this expectation on the broader culture to have a high view of marriage, while inside the church, we want to talk about all the ways we can get out of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't expect the broader culture to have a high view of marriage when we tolerate divorce inside the churches. And so I want to spend less time talking about the fine print, the little escape, escape. Get here, here's how you get out of your marriage conversation. I want to spend more time about what it means to persevere in your marriage, since your marriage is a reflection of the gospel. And so, does the Bible give grounds for give an escape if there's adultery? Yes, but with that, 
the more God-honoring thing to do would be to forgive your spouse and to persevere in that marriage. Um, and, and so the, um, I, I think we need to think of our marriages as um, for me to remain in this marriage, persevere in this marriage, forgive my spouse, love my spouse, serve my spouse, lay down my life for my spouse is honor and worship to the Lord. And so, uh, and so I don't even like talking about divorce. I don't bring that word up. And when I counsel, you know, I, it's a, um, I think we go there too quickly. And so if, if we want to begin to change, uh, and so I think we need to shut our mouths about same-sex marriage if we are going to tolerate divorce in the local church. And and so uh, so the, the thing that's going to speak loudly is let's be a church that has a high view of marriage, seeing that it's a picture of Christ's relationship to the church. Let's herald that to the broader community and show them how high of a view we have rather than just saying, well, your sin doesn't look like our sin, and because your sin doesn't look like our sin, you need to stop doing your sin. Because that's what we're saying right now. Like, your sin's more yucky, so stop doing that. Um, and, and I grew up in a church where divorces happened all the time, and it was never addressed. Yeah. Right? That, that we have acceptable sins in the church, and, and until we deal with the acceptable sins in the church by providing church discipline, going back to the first question, by not tolerating that stuff, um, how could we ever expect the culture? The culture is not going to have a higher view of holiness than the church does, and the church has a very low view of holiness. Um, so. I think that's part of what we talked about in the church discipline um, sermon and question and answer. We talked about God blessing a church that takes sin and holiness seriously and you know we don't hear sermons preached on church discipline very often um to the we think that that's because we want to that will help bring numbers in and it really is to the detriment of our culture because we're not taking sin seriously um and that god honors a church that is obedient to preach his word faithfully and to call sin sin and to call the church to holiness and and you know, we can't ignore the sin within our own congregation um, while simultaneously being outraged by the sins of the world. Yeah. The sin of the world is the world's going to sin. They're lost. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised when they do that. We shouldn't be shocked. Shouldn't be shocked. We should be outraged by the sin in, in, yeah. in the church body. Yeah, because getting back to 1 Corinthians 3, the sin in the church body is a rebellion against who we are, mm-hmm. who we already are. And um, and that's a tragedy. That was a tragedy for the Church of Corinth. Yeah. And, and so Paul's calling them back to faithfulness. Paul's calling them back to remember who they are in Christ and to to behave as they, again, as they already are. That that's how we change the culture. Right? I I was just listening to a a podcast that was talking about um the moral majority years. Um. The 70s and 80s, especially, and Dr. Falwell, and and some of these guys, the Reagan years, and the we're going to change the country by voting Republican mentality, and um, uh, and conservative Christians at the time they were uh, aiming to change the country by going to the voting booth. Liberals 
we're aiming to change the country by re-educating children, by reaching younger people. And so they were playing the long game, conservative Christians playing the short game, and all of a sudden we are where we are now um, uh, to the point where... uh, We we know the condition that our country is in, right? Uh, the the country is not going to be shifted and changed because we get some conservative in the office. The country is going to be changed when we realize that we need to instill the word of God in our children. We need to win the homes over. The homes are won over through parents committed to staying together for the glory of God. The homes are won over when parents are committed to family worship and raising their children to love God, love his word, and um, I, the the country changes from that kind of stuff. Uh, all that other stuff will work itself out as the gospel change the changes the hearts of the home of the people in the home. And until we connect that, um, it, it's we have to connect that. I am, um, you know, we were doing. Um, premarital counseling and I would have conversations with with Ashley about divorce is not going to be an option for us and Sean when he was doing the counseling was saying don't even joke about don't even put the word out there if you're joking about it or if you're in the midst of this fight and that word slips out now you have it out there and it's um, hanging over your marriage and it we can't have an escape hatch in our marriages. And um, if it means we're on this earth in a marriage that we're connected to a selfish spouse who doesn't um, love us the way that they're called to love us, then we endure 70 or 80 years of that for the glory of God and spend eternity with him. And, those seven or eight years are a drop in the ocean. Absolutely. Um, this ties in a little bit, so we may not need to spend a whole lot of time on it, but it talks about, the question is, where in the text, speaking about 1 Corinthians 7, is it acceptable to remarry? Um, and Pastor Andrew touched on this a little bit, and I think Pastor Sean might cover it some this coming Sunday, but speaking about remarriage, um, and this might we might venture into personal opinion again on, on some we of this. We could. But this whole this whole question might get edited out. But um, is there? Uh, do you see a biblical standard for remarriage? I'm in process on that. To be honest, I I'm the. I mean, so tune in for Sean's sermon yeah. on Sunday and, and kind of hear how our lead pastor lays it out for us. Um, I, um, I've i been asked to perform. I, I'll just, this is my personal opinion, so I hope it's safe to put it out there. I don't do remarriages. I don't preach the, I've been asked by people to to do um, ceremonies for people that get remarried, for, to preach them, mm-hmm. and I don't personally preach them. Um, I'm not saying that the pastors that do are, are wrong or are sinful. That's just where my own conscious conscience is right now. And um, 
and and so the, you know first corinthians 7 and, and harmonizing i it's difficult for me when i especially in ephesians 5 when i see the apostle paul tie um I feel like I'm a broken record, but when he ties the relationship, the marital relationship is this earth, earthy, earthly picture of Christ's relationship to the church. And and so to sever that says something about the gospel. And then to rejoin with someone else said something about it. You know, it's it's almost as if there's this reflection of Jesus severs himself from us and weds himself to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, and so I, I, I'm in pro and so you have to be patient with my answer because I'm in process on that. And there's lots of people that would disagree with me and even on being hesitant, but where I am right now, I, I just don't do remarriage. I don't preach remarriages. Um, and, um, I would rather, again, lean into the high view of marriage that I think the scriptures present. I mean, obviously, we can all agree that remarriage is not ideal. That's not what God intended, right? And God intended that um, it's Genesis 2 stuff, right? A man leaves his mother and father. They cleave cleave to one another, leave and cleave to one another. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Like that... there's weightiness to those words and so I and so I feel for the um you know, I, I, I get I mean I don't get because I have an experience, but man, the people that are in abusive relationships, the people that their spouses abandoned them and all these horrific stories I hear all the time, every week. And uh and people that say, Man, I want to get remarried and, and a lot of them end up getting remarried. I just am I'm not at a point in my ministry where I'm comfortable performing those types of ceremonies or counseling people. I've never counseled anybody to get remarried and um unless the Lord changes my heart on that, I, I just don't I don't personally see it. But uh but the pa- other pastors on staff here would dis- probably disagree with me on that and that's okay. I mean that's Again, I I think there's room in the text for that. They could they, if we had Sean or Andrew sitting here, they would give you the, some biblical reasons why they would disagree with that. And I'm not even saying the wrong. I'm just saying that I, this is where I am in it. And there are other areas where you would say they're wrong, but not this area. Not this area. There's other <laughs> other areas I'd be more passionate about. <laughs> on the, uh, the no, I I you know I think one day stand before God and all our theology is going to be corrected in some shape. <laughs> fashion with some misbelief with some misbeliefs but that's i mean that's where i'm coming down right now in that area is i don't want to counsel remarriage i don't want to preach a a a wedding ceremony for remarriage um but i would never throw a stone at the other pastors who who perform a ceremony for a remarriage And, and i would never call what they're doing sinful in that way especially uh but some of the circumstances I've seen some pastors do remarriage are really um, the 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 people that were getting married together had some pretty rough backgrounds as far as how their spouses treated them and left them and stuff like that. And so I'm not I'm not insensitive to that stuff. I'm not desensitized to the pain and hurt that some people have experienced at the hand of their spouse. Um, I just. And I think Pastor Andrew, even in as he closed out his sermon, covered it well of the gospel. 
is big enough to for us to have restoration no matter yeah, what absolutely. Our, our past is um, God can restore us absolutely through Christ and um, the the ugliness of of our sin is is washed away by the blood of Christ and that's the beauty of the gospel yeah. and and if you are remarried and you're listening to this podcast it's God's will for you to be, stay as you are. I mean, so, and I wrote a blog this week that we're going to repost for this week that I think the big picture of 1 Corinthians 7 is stay as you are. Mm-hmm. Stay as you are. Remain as you are. And um, and so please hear that, you know, if you are if you have remarried, you need to stay married to the person that you're married to now. So from here on out, move forward committed in that relationship. <clears throat> so... But I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer, but time will tell. That's where we are. We might get more questions. <laughs> this podcast yes. generated more questions than the uh, sermon did. Oh, I was afraid of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Thank that's you, guys. It. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for listening. Um, as always, you can submit questions from the sermon to, um, through. Uh, by emailing them to sermonquestions at gocoastal.org. Um, and hopefully, if you continue to have, um, have questions on 1 Corinthians 7, um, Pastor Sean is going to be preaching a part two, um, the second half of that chapter this Sunday. So please tune in for that. Um, if you have follow up questions about this podcast, just approach Pastor Sean directly. Submit them to Pastor Sean's email address. <laughs> okay. Thank you, guys. <laughs>